Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is a situation between a husband and a wife, is it not better? It is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who have chosen to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Hello. How are you going? That's good. I'm Matt, if I haven't met you. Good to be here tonight with you guys. Um, When I say the word marriage, what comes to your head? Uh, What thoughts come up for you? Uh, Maybe you've planned your wedding already. Uh, You kind of pick the dress, the venue, you know, the whole style. You just need the 10 or 15 years or whatever it takes to find the right guy. Um, Maybe tonight, maybe tonight you think you're sitting next to that special someone. Maybe. Uh, Maybe, though, um, like a lot of people in the world, marriage is just like this super hot topic. Like, people just get fired up about it all the time. Um, lots has been said, hasn't it, lately about marriage and gender? Uh, check out some of these pictures that I found, just united against hate. That's kind of what went around during those marriage debates that happened. Um, Christians, they must hate people, do they, if they believe what they do about marriage? The next one, um, love thy neighbour. Isn't that a Christian command? How come you Christians don't love people? You're supposed to be loving Maybe you're here tonight, you're passionate to protect and speak up for people's rights. Um, maybe you're not sure what the heck to think. Um, but there'd be heaps of us here tonight that the idea of marriage and our uh, being hurt from experiences of it, we're, we're massively hurt by that, from marriages breaking down. Uh, I imagine there's a bunch of us in the room tonight that can uh, sympathise with that. And... The good thing about God's Word is, uh, wherever you're at tonight, in any of those different spots, Jesus wants to speak to you. Uh, Jesus, He's come into this world and He changes the way that you view the whole thing, everything. Um, And you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Because Jesus, He's the, the man, but He's God come as man. He speaks words and they're powerful, they're revolutionary, they change everything. That's the man who speaks today for us in Matthew 19. Um, we've seen it throughout Matthew. He, his teaching changes everything we think. Um, it changes what we think about our sin, changes what we th- uh, think about greatness, it changes how we view each other. 
And Jesus has got something to say to us about marriage. And we're going to see two really clear things tonight. Jesus says that marriage is for life. But life isn't for marriage. They're the two things. And these two things, they're revolutionary. Uh, they, They challenge us. They might come with a bite and a sting, but they're good. And they're two posts that you can stick in the ground as um, the world kind of goes crazy about all these ideas and uh, lots of debates happen and stuff like that. They're two posts that you can stick in the ground to help you navigate this area of life. Why don't I pray as we jump into that? So pray with me. Father, we pray that you would work a miracle tonight to open hearts. Um, Lord, we pray that you would break hard hearts and soften them so that your word might speak to them, uh, that people would listen to the loving Father that created them, that wants to call them home. We pray that tonight might be the first night for some that they just stop for a moment and listen to you. And Lord, we pray for those who have done that, that have uh, made that decision to follow you with our lives. We pray that you would change us, transform us, help us to uh, view the world like you view it and so live like you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, the first thing we're going to see tonight is that marriage is for life. So, check out the question that Jesus brings to the disciples. So, in verse 3 there, have a look at verse 3, it'll come up on the screen in a second. So, it says, some Pharisees came to Him to test Him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? There's, there's people that think that today, don't they? Like, you can just divorce whenever you want. Um, you, can, you get sick of them, or you fall out of love, things just don't kind of work out, so you, you, you end that one, you have a crack and have another go with someone else. But Jesus doesn't say that. Have a look, have a look at what He says. He says, verse 4, haven't you read? That's interesting, isn't it? It's like, Jesus is going somewhere for His answer. He says, haven't you read? Where does Jesus go for His answer? He goes to the Bible. That, that's interesting. This is the God come as man and He goes to the Word to show people how to think about life. It's here in the Bible. Uh, that's what Jesus does and if He does it, I mean, so I can trust the Bible. If it's good enough for Him, if it's good enough for the Lord of the universe, that'll, that'll work for me. And anyway, have a look at what he sees there in Genesis. Uh, If you keep reading along in verse 4, he replied that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In marriage, God joins two people together. Uh, You might think marriage is just like an agreement that people make or it's something that the government controls or something like that. Jesus says no. Marriage is when God makes a guy and a girl one. He joins them together. Marriage, it's bigger than we think because God designed it. He made it and it's woven into the whole way He made the world. So, divorce, this question about divorce, Jesus, Jesus is showing why it's tragic, because it's separating what God has joined. 
Now, that, that doesn't mean you can't be a Christian if you've been divorced or someone you know has been divorced or something like that. Um, God holds out His forgiveness to anyone who would turn and repent. But God takes this thing because it's His thing. Marriage is His thing. He takes it seriously. Marriage is for life. And according to Jesus, marriage, it's lifelong union between a guy and a girl. So, so same-sex couples making an agreement together at a ceremony, people can call that marriage, it's just not what God calls marriage. Now, that has a significant bite, doesn't it? That stings. Because doesn't, doesn't Jesus love same-sex attracted people? Doesn't He care about their rights? Well, yes. Je- Jesus loves people so much that He went to the cross to suffer in their place in my place. If they would trust Him, Jesus would do that for them. Now, Jesus loves, but He loves enough to speak the truth even if it hurts. So, um, we've been hearing even tonight uh, a lot about the coronavirus. Uh, this, check out this family, they bought, um, they thought they were buying 43 rolls of toilet paper, but they got 2,000 because there's 43 boxes there. Um, Imagine though, coronavirus, it's pretty bad, but imagine if it was even worse. Like, everyone in the world had it, all right? Everyone had it, and if you didn't get treated in a week or something, 100% of people die, not 3% or something like that. Imagine if it was that bad. Now, if no one knew, that'd be bad. We'd all be dead in a week. But if someone knew, would you want to know? Would you want them to tell you? Because it, it would be inconvenient. Um, it would ruin your holiday plans. Uh, you'd have to sit in isolation or in hospital or something. You wouldn't be able to go to your friend's birthday on the weekend. Uh, it would be pretty annoying and painful. But who cares? If it's true, you have to know so that you can get it sorted. It, it would be completely unloving if someone knew you had something that was going to kill you and didn't tell you. Now, if Jesus, if He's just bringing another view, then take it or leave it, whatever floats your boat, yeah? But if He's bringing the truth that God cares how we view ourselves, He cares how we view marriage, God cares that we've rejected His good plan for life, God cares that we've thrown Him off the throne, where He makes the calls of what's right, where, and we've put ourselves on there to say that we make the calls now of what's right and wrong. We, God cares, because He gave us these minds, these little minds in comparison to God, and we've used those to think, thanks for your advice, God, but no, I've got a better way. Who do we think we are? If if that's true, if that's what we've done, we need to hear it, however painful that is. And we need to hear it so that we can get our problems sorted too. Marriage is lifelong union between a guy and a girl. Now, whose way will you go? You can choose to listen to a voice that changes like the latest fashion trend. Or you can go God's way, listening to the voice of God who sits above the world, who sits above everything else, who's good and He defines good, the God who knows every detail of life and chooses to reveal the truth to us. 
I want to listen to that God, because He's not just the God that speaks, He's the God that shows Himself to be a God worth listening to. He's the God who loves so much that He sent His Son to the cross to die in my place, in your place. I know who I want to listen to. I want to submit to the, fo- the voice of my loving Father, the all-knowing King, and hear His voice. So, have you read, Jesus says, because God has spoken. You can flick through Pinterest tomorrow night and plan your wedding, um, or you can arrange a date with the living God. You can, you can just flick this open or open up an app on your phone, uh, and why not just start tomorrow? Why not hear God speak? Uh, as you eat brekkie, crack open Matthew, do that, check out daily reading notes on the Instagram page or whatever. Um, go God's way. Listen to the loving God of the universe and submit to what He says. Marriage is for life, which means marriage is hard. The disciples, they freak out with what Jesus says. Have a look in verse 10 with me. They say in verse 10, uh, the disciples said to Him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. Um, they haven't just kind of like drawn up a little pros and cons table or something like that. They're like, uh, Jesus, no. Commitment for life? Are you serious? Don't sign me up for that. I don't want that. What if I get sick of them? They're thinking. What if they, um, what if they, what, 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 what if they smell bad? But more seriously, like, what if, what if they have an accident and their personality changes? What if they lie to you about something? You've got to get this. Marriage is hard because marriage is promising to be a certain person in the future, despite the future. Marriage is promising to be a certain person in the future, despite the future. You promise for better or worse, in sickness or in health. Marriage is hard because you're committing yourself to love a person and people are broken. Now, now Jesus, He gives an exception here. He talks about sexual immorality, um, sleeping with someone else who isn't your husband or wife. And there are some situations we need to think about, um, hectic scenarios about how this applies. But don't let the few exceptions make you miss the big point. Marriage is for life, it's promising to be a certain person in the future, despite the future. So don't marry if you're not up for that. It's not enough to just kind of say to someone, um, oh, they love, they love me and they're nice to me, they do nice things for me. Uh, you've got to ask questions like, what are they like with their family? Because one day, I will be their family. One day, you've got to ask things like, um, what are they like with people they don't like? because there'll be days where they don't like you. That, that kind of thinking will shape the kind of person you date, the kind of person you ask out, the kind of person you say yes to a date from. But maybe even more than those things, it changes the questions you ask of yourself. Can I be the kind of person that promises to be someone in the future, even in better or worse, in sickness or in health? Maybe you shouldn't marry That's what the disciples are reflecting here. Uh, I've promised as a married person to love Sophia even if I don't feel like it. 
Even if Sophia changes, even if Sophia loses her ability to think, even if Sophia forgets who I am, I've promised. Marriage is for life. It's a big deal, isn't it? it? It rubs up against our culture, which says, anyone can get married. Jesus says, no. Um, you can marry kind of willy-nilly, it's no biggie if you end it, it doesn't really matter. Jesus says, no. And our culture, it actually says another thing too. It says, everyone should marry, really, shouldn't they? Because you need the fulfillment of that kind of relationship with kids and family. Um, Lots of people will say that the fulfilling or satisfying life is relationships, and they would put marriage on the top of the list of relationships. They don't like when Jesus says marriage is for life, but they do want to say that life is for marriage... But Jesus says, no, life isn't for marriage. It's, it's bigger than that. Uh, Jesus shows us here that life is for the kingdom. Look with me at verse 12. Grab this out. Have a look. Verse 12. For there are eunuchs, I'll explain what that is in a second, um, who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Um, Now, a eunuch is someone that can't have sex, okay? Um, They might have had some parts of their body removed or something like that, Um, and most of them were slaves. Now, that sounds like, it kind of sounds a little bit funny, but that sounds like a sad life, doesn't it? Um, could you imagine, if I, if I just went up to someone in the street and I said, um, what do you think life would be like if you could never have sex? What do you think they'd say? That would suck, maybe they would say. Or how depressing. I don't know what they would say. But um, to different extents, um, all of us will feel that to some degree. Maybe not a very little, or, but some of us a lot. Jesus says that some of us should choose that, not, not just to, to see it as something bad. Jesus says, actually, no, you should, some of you should choose that. Are you serious, Jesus? Isn't that the unfulfilled life, the life that's missed out? Um, and if this life is all there is, Jesus, what the heck are you talking about? Why would anyone choose that? Verse 12, it's halfway in the middle there, halfway in the middle, um, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. This life is not it. Jesus is coming back to bring His kingdom fully, where, where there's no sickness, no coronavirus, no brokenness, no mess, no pain, and all the blessing of God. But for many of us, that kingdom coming is bad news, it's terrifying news because the, the kingdom is something that you have to enter and, and there's people here tonight that are enemies of God. There are people here tonight that can't say they're a part of God's kingdom. The, the kingdom coming, it will mean for some eternal pain, eternal mess, eternal brokenness, eternal punishment from God. That sounds heavy, but it's because God, the King, deserves your life. 
He, he made you, He owns you, and we were made to live with Him as King, but we don't. We, we do what we want. We do it with marriage, but we do it with everything. We live as though we're the King. Someone is... Sorry. Um, none of us, all the time, think like we should, do we? We think that... We never think always... What does the king want me to do with this? Um, none of us can all the time go, I always do what I should, and often we do what we shouldn't. The king has given us life as a gift, and we use it as though we own it. We make ourselves the king. We make ourselves enemies of God. Now, I don't know if you um, have any like, kind of friends that are just major scabs or anything like that. They scab your lunch, they scab your, um, I don't know, your homework answers or something like that. Um, Maybe they're just desperate and they need your help, but kind of the 20th time it gets a bit old and you're kind of like, oh, I don't think there's something else going on here. But imagine, right, one of your friends comes up and they just give you this massive sob story about being kicked out or something like that, and so your parents and you, you let them into your home, um, you let them eat your food, you let them drive the family car, um, you look after them because you think they're really struggling, um, but then you find out later that they just have an annoying brother at home or something like that and they've just got out of there. Now, you'd be pretty annoyed, wouldn't you? And maybe you'd kick him out and say, go home or something like that. But maybe you're really nice um, or something, I don't know. And you just say, all right, I'll put him up, I'll put up with him and, and a year goes on. You've looked after them and now there's like no food ever and there's no petrol in the car or anything like this. And after a year of doing that, they steal the family car and just bail. Now, now you would be furious, wouldn't you? They, they've taken the gifts of your family's kindness and just used it to reject you. That is how we've rejected God. Because the King gives us life, He gives us breath and everything. And we use it to bail and forget about Him. We deserve His punishment but Jesus comes to the world offering the chance to enter God's kingdom. And it costs Him. It costs Him His life. He dies in our place under the judgment that should have gone on us, but it goes on Him. So that we don't have to stay enemies with God, we can become His children. You can call the Lord of the universe your loving Father, now, if you're going to live for the kingdom, you first got to ask, have I entered that kingdom? Have you entered the kingdom? So, can I invite you tonight to enter? I'd love to chat with you. Your leaders here, they'd love to chat with you because life is about the kingdom. So, there is nothing more important than entering it. The kingdom is coming. It's going to be epic, but you got to enter. So, if you've already done that though, what does it mean to live for the sake of the kingdom? What does that mean? Well, the big thing that we're going to see here is that we need to listen and obey the king. We've seen that all throughout Matthew, haven't we? As he says different things, living for the kingdom is living with Jesus as king, which means he's king, I do what he says. We stop throwing him off the throne and putting ourselves there. We stop doing that. We let Him rule. He decides what's right and wrong. He calls the shots. We listen and obey. 
So how are you going at listening to the King? How do you treat His Word? And, and actually, how, how you treat His Word over the course of your life, that'll be a huge part of whether you continue to live with Him as your King. How will you treat the King's Word? It's this that will stop you from falling into temptation that would see you fall away. It's this that would help you when your friends are partying and living it up and you know that uh, this life seems hard as a Christian, it'll be this that helps you, it'll be this that reminds you through all sorts of hardships that there is a good God who loves me and sent His Son for me and He has an incredible future for me in heaven. So listen to your King and obey. Uh, we, we can't do that perfectly all the time, uh, but we would want to, wouldn't we? If we trust the King, he, we know that He's not out to ruin our lives. He comes to give us life. We want to obey His way. And, and when we fail, we repent and remember His goodness to save us, even when we were His enemies. And we keep on kicking on for King Jesus. You listen and obey. Now, living that way is drastic. It's radical, it's countercultural, it's hard, it's epic, and it's simple. You trust the King has done everything you need to enter the kingdom in dying in your place, and you enter the kingdom. He's done everything for you. And now that you've entered, you listen and obey. If you're in the kingdom, you have the most precious relationship as God's child. Marriage is for life, but life isn't for marriage. It's for the kingdom. So what will you do with your life? There's probably 2,000 odd people that will hear this passage uh, this week in this building, and you're actually unique among them all. Because Lots of people that will hear this passage, they've chosen the trajectory of their life, they're in it now, they've made decisions about what, they, what they're going to do with their lives and they're halfway down the, their whole life and possibly further along. But you're unique because you have an opportunity to decide, what am I going to do with my life as I look forward into the future? What will I do to live for God's kingdom? You're unique in your ability to do that because of how old you are and how many decisions you've still got to make. So can I challenge you, what will you do with your life for the sake of the kingdom? Make big decisions about how you can use the gifts that God has given you for the sake of His kingdom. How about I pray? Father, we pray that You would work in us to do that. Um, Lord, we pray that we would be captured by Your kingdom captured by the news that we can be saved because of what you've done for us in Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would want to share that. We pray that you'd help us to want to live for him, our King. Uh, And Lord, we pray that uh, tonight, the rest of this week, the rest of the year, the rest of our lives, um, we would trust King Jesus and trust him in a way that means we listen and obey. We pray that you would do that work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.